You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. So glad that you are joining us for this series. We're talking about how to take a trial and flip it and turn it into triumph. That's what God has chosen to do with trials. Uh, When we do this enough, it makes the devil uh, furious and it discourages him uh, because every attack he comes at you with, you turn it around and it backfires on him. And we'll go through the scriptures and show you how that happened time and again with God's people. Uh, Here we go, our text for all of this is found in the book of James, chapter 1, beginning verse 2. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. doesn't say we count it joy for the temptations. It says when we see the temptations, we, we celebrate, we count it all joy. Because we know something. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now your faith is going to work on the circumstances. That's what faith does. But when your faith is tried, patience works on you. Let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There is a settled peace that comes upon us when we learn how to walk in faith and patience. I want to tell you a little story about how this was a real lesson to me. And there's another key here. We're going to get into verse 5 here in just a second and talk about how important it is in this process. But back in 1985, I spent the Thanksgiving weekend in prayer about whether or not I should buy a piece of property and start this ministry called Dry Gulch USA. Uh, I'd looked at several different places But I had one piece of property in particular that when I walked on, I had a very real piece about this is it. And I mean, I had looked in a number of places. We had been entertaining the idea of a camp for about a year. This was not something that I jumped into. And I knew better than to go after this without the leading of the Holy Spirit. So I distinctly remember spending hours, not just a few minutes, but hours on my knees on the Sunday after Thanksgiving in uh, 1985, and I know that I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. He told me, they've told you that it will cost $2 million to open up phase one. That's not true. You can open up phase one for $400,000. Now, when I heard that, I was greatly encouraged. That was in the realm of my faith. I'll be honest with you, I did not have faith for $2 million, nor would we have been able to raise it. We weren't there. I did not have that kind of partner base, and I didn't have faith that we could do it. But I did have faith for $400,000. So the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, when you go out into all of your meetings next year, ask people to help you for six months. The pastors will not be offended at that. 
And I, I got approval from all the pastors everywhere we went. I did the big gospel bill rallies. Place was full of people. About half the people came from that church. About half of them came from outside the church. But I asked parents, would you help me build a camp for kids? And I said, I need help for six months. $50 a month, $35 a month, $15 a month. And we began to raise money for that camp. And there were a number of people who felt touched by God to help us like that. So we began to raise that money. After several months, we're into the fall of the year now, uh, late August, early September, I've only raised 300 of that $400,000. I can't seem to get over the hump. And we're at a point in the year where the meetings are not quite as thick as they had been in the spring. And the people are not being quite as generous as they had been in the spring. And it's not summer camp season. So uh, people have kind of forgotten. And so it's a little bit more difficult to raise the money. The problem is I've got about $100,000 of bills facing me in the next few weeks. And I thought, I've got to do something to get that money. And so I spent a lot of time in prayer. And I want to show you the verse that we want to look at. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. And that's what I needed. I needed wisdom. Uh, <clears throat> listen to James chapter 1, verse 5, the Passion Translation. If anyone longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom. He will give it. He won't see your lack of wisdom as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. That's what I needed. I needed generous grace. God, show me what to do here because I feel like I need to do something more. I don't know what that step is. That's why I'm asking for wisdom. God will never put you down for that, and he will answer. So I remember uh, in, in, in the middle of the night, I woke up, and the Holy Spirit put it in my heart, now go to your bank and ask for a loan. And I said, but Lord, you told me not to borrow money for this $400,000. He said, had I restricted you, or had I not restricted you, you would have tried to borrow money from the very outset. You didn't think you could raise this much money. But it will be okay now for you to go get the final $100,000. So I went to the bank. And I said, would you guys consider loaning us the money to finish this project? The bank immediately jumped all over it and said, yes, we would love to do this. And so we did everything we needed to do. It took about 30 days to get down to closing. All of a sudden, the bank called and said, we can't do the deal. There's a lien against your property. And we said, a lien? How in the world did we get a lien on the property? And I found out, nobody told us, that the fellow that we bought the land from had a debt that he couldn't pay. He was dodging his creditors. They thought that I was a part of his scheme. When it was time for us to begin to make payments to him, he informed us that he no longer owned the note that he had sold the note to his father, and so we were to pay his father, not him. I had no problem with that, so we began to make our payments every month. We made payments on the land uh, that we were supposed to make, and everything seemed fine. 
Now we found out that there was a judgment against us because this man had had a debt. He refused to appear in court. The company that sued him won summary judgment. When they found out that we owed him money, and I explained to them earlier in the year that he actually sold the paper to his father, uh, they were very dishonest with me. They didn't tell me what they were going to do. They went out and put a lien on our property, accused me of being uh, in collusion with him. We went to an attorney. Uh, the attorney took a look at it and said, this is not going to be a problem. In no time, the lien was taken off our property. The judge agreed that we'd done nothing wrong and that we'd been maybe deceived a little bit by this guy, but that they had no grounds to put a lien on our property. So now we have a smooth sailing to get the money. Well, in the process of all of these delays, one of my biggest contractors, the biggest contractor, spent more money with him than anybody else, began to come and press us for money. And we said, we apologize. We've paid you faithfully up until this point. We will have money here very shortly. And his wife would come and meet with our business administrator. He would tell us it's going to be okay. But she would come and say, we are going to skip town. The minute you pay us, we're leaving. We cannot pay all of our bills. We've got over $300,000 that we owe. We're going to take your $100,000 that you give us, and we're skipping town. Well, that alarmed us. Now, because of the delays, our subcontractors begin to come in. And they said to us, we haven't been paid. We haven't been paid. We haven't been paid. Even though we have been paying our bills all along, this guy is not paying the subs. And so we go to the lawyer. We've already got a relationship with him. Wouldn't have had it had I not had the first lien. But the lawyer said to us, here's how we deal with this. You find all the subs, let them know that you will pay them, but make the checks jointly payable to the contractor and to the subcontractor, insist that he pay these subs before you give him anything. So of the $100,000 that we owed him, uh, about 20000 of it was owed to subs. This man was pressing us for money. He was a professing Christian, but this man was going to skip town and leave these guys holding the bag, and us holding the bag, because we would have been responsible for that $20,000, even though we would have paid the guy uh, we would still have had to come back and pay the subs. It had been double payment. But God had his hand on us. And so God led me into a process that put me into a relationship with legal counsel that I did not have when we started that camp, but I had it at the end, and it kept us from being hosed. Now, eventually the bank closed the loan, but here's the good part. When we got the money, we paid this guy off. He was furious. He yelled at me and screamed at me and threatened me and all this stuff. Uh, but we got the thing paid off, got every debt settled that we owed. The bank not only was willing to loan us enough money to pay for what we had done, not only the 100000 they gave me an additional 200000 on top of that because they saw a great promise in this camp, and they were right. It was a good thing to invest in. We now had enough money 
to pay for the next phase of Dry Gulch. We built additional dormitories and a chapel that we would have by the summer of the following year. So we had it open uh, barely in the summer of 86, but 87 is when it really began to take off. Now say all that to say this. There are times that you will have to cooperate with the Lord. You may be standing on your faith, but there may be an additional thing for you to do. You may sense, listen, I I know I'm in this trial, but I have this sense I need to do something. Well, yes, you need to keep believing God. You need to keep rejoicing in your answer. But like me, I went before the Lord and said, Lord, is there something more I need to do? And the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, yes. Now you need to go to your bank and get the last $100,000 that you need to finish this first phase. Get it from them. They'll help you. But all of that created a process by which I got good legal counsel. And I needed that, didn't know I needed that, would never have known how to do that. But because we got in a pickle, God put us in a place to turn around and flip this whole thing. You know, at the end of that year, 1986, I counted up one, two, three, four, five. We went through five major scrapes like that in that year. And I said, Lord, I don't want to go through another year like this ever. But you know what? We came out of it with a brand new baby, a camp that was going to make a huge difference. And that camp, by virtue of being physical real estate, gave us an asset that would appreciate, that would ultimately lay a foundation for us to do this thing called Church on the Move, and it really set us up for the future. And the devil saw that and did everything in his power to keep us from moving forward. He failed. So when you're in a pickle and you don't quite know what to do, go to James 1.5 and pray that prayer. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who upbraids not and gives to all men liberally, and God will do it. All the time I have for today, we'll see you again next week. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.